Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello and welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am seriously so excited to dive into today's episode with you guys. I know that you're going to love it. I'm so excited to talk about our guest, but before I talk about our guest, bring her on and show you guys our amazing chat that we had, I just want to quickly announce and share that if you haven't already seen that my online hormone course is released, Healthy and Balanced Hormone Course is out in the world and you guys have access to it and I'm seriously so excited about it. It is a course that I really have piled together based on things that I'm talking about in all of my hormone consultations. Um... And I really wanted to give the common themes that I'm seeing and common root causes for hormones and why they become imbalanced in the first place. And really just teaching people baseline things that one, I wish that I knew when I was first, you know, getting into all of this and two things that I think that should be common knowledge. We should know these basic things about our cycle. And, you know, if things are going wrong, what do they mean instead of just, you know, being prescribed the birth control pill or just saying that our symptoms are normal and we shouldn't worry about it. I think that rather there should be some empowerment, empowerment in there. And that is what I do in my course. And there's so many, there's tons of different lectures really boiling down so many root cause things like gut health and metabolic health, metabolic flexibility, um, detox and opening up all these different pathways in your body, which tend to be closed and going over environmental toxins and which foods are so nutrient dense and how you should add them into your diet and how you can make a diet work for you and how you can really level up and figure out what foods are causing inflammation and really build a platform and a lifestyle through both diet and lifestyle practices that work for you. And, um, with that, you also get discounts, uh, for working with me, which is very cool. So, but if you already are an in-person patient or a remote client, please reach out to me because I have a special discount code for you. If you are looking to also take the course in conjunction with our consultations, just as a way of saying thank you. And just another way to build your knowledge, this course really dives into It's a very easy and digestible way to get a lot of information that I've spent hundreds of hours learning, studying, researching, but I I give it to you in a way that it's easier, easy to understand. It makes sense and it makes you a lot more educated on the topic so that you feel empowered when you're going in and talking to your doctor, whether you're figuring out how, how certain things are working in your body. And and I'm just really, really excited to, to give this to you guys. And I definitely recommend getting signed up sooner rather than later because the price is not going to be at this price point for very long. So I'm giving it to you at a very good price point. So whoever wants to take advantage of that, take advantage because it's not going to be that way forever. So don't wait, but you guys can, you guys can check out the link for that. I will put it in the show notes for this show and it's all over social media. It's in my Instagram bio. I posted on it on my Instagram. It's, it is definitely out there for you guys to, to have, but I want to first introduce our guest, Ashley Van Houten, and I want to kind of sing her praises before we get into today's awesome conversation. So Ashley's an author, speaker, podcast host, and self-proclaimed muscle nerd. Her first book, a no satel organ, uh, meat centric cookbook called it takes guts is available. Now, uh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere where you get books. She's the host of muscle Maven radio podcast, 
uh, which is originally where I found her on her Instagram as well, uh, and where she interviews some of the leading minds in exercise, nutrition, methodology, and overall wellness. I definitely love her show. You guys need to go check it out. Uh, she's a longtime contributor to Paleo Magazine, and she is a consultant in the fitness industry, helping others build their brand and communicate their message to the world. And she's worked with some pretty notable figures uh, like legendary Canadian bodybuilder and life optimization guru, Ben Paluski and thyroid health expert Ellie Russ. In her downtime, she is a nationally ranked natural figure competitor and dabbles in powerlifting, arm wrestling. Uh, and uh, although her biggest hobby is trying to convince people to eat organ meats, you can connect with her on Instagram at the Muscle Maven and on her website Ashley Van Houten. And she is just such a wealth of knowledge and has, has so much experience in this whole fitness and health industry. And we had such an amazing talk just about organ meats and just the taboo around organ meats and, and how we've gotten there and how, you know, with so much dogma in the diet industry, why we just need to get back to eating real food like our ancestors had eaten. And that's something that I'm really big on. I'm not really necessarily one side carnivore, keto, paleo, whatever. I just, I think that we should just eat food as our ancestors did. And we talk a lot about that. And we talk a little bit about, you know, her bodybuilding, her time in the bodybuilding world. And, uh, we talk about a lot of sustainability when it comes to eating organ meats and things, which for me, it was really important. And because I, I, I do care about our planet and I care about our environment and I care about animals very deeply. And we really talked about, about, we really talked about a lot about that in this podcast, which was very cool. And she taught a lot about that in her book. I'm just so excited. I'm talking so fast because I'm just, I'm ready for you guys to get into this interview, but let me know what you guys think. I think that this was such a fun interview to do. And I hope that you guys get a lot out of it because I know that I sure did. And let us know what you think. Share this podcast with us on Instagram. You can tag us both. But without further ado, let's get into today's interview. All right, you guys. So I'm super excited. I have an amazing guest today. We're going to dive into all things organ meat, muscles, and her brand new book. So Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped. You're welcome. So you, I, like I said, in the intro, you have a brand new book. We'll talk about that today, but you have just such a cool story and I've been following you actually. So it's funny. Cause your last podcast, the muscle Maven radio, you, um, did it with the shrugged collective. And that's actually how I found you is when, um, when Gabrielle Lyon was on the podcast, I had been following her for a while. So then I, that's how I found you. And so I've been kind of following your journey ever since. And it was just kind of cool to like, see that full circle and be like, that's cool. I'm interviewing her tomorrow. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how there's such a, it's a small, but growing network of like badass women in the health and fitness space that all just end up knowing each other eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great when that happens. No. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you started on that podcast originally, and then you made muscle Maven. So it's, I mean, I won't, we don't have to stay too long on this topic because it's not particularly interesting, but I actually, I started out podcasting for Paleo Magazine Radio. So that's kind of where I got my start um, as a writer and as a podcast host in the health and nutrition world. Yeah. And 
while I was podcasting for Paleo Magazine, I ended up doing this limited run series for the Shrugged Guys. Um, again, we just sort of ran in the same circles and they were looking to kind of build out their audience with some different voices. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing like a limited run for them that was really fun. I got to interview like some of my favorite people ever I got to do on that show. Um, and then after that show, I ended up, long story short, um, turning Paleo Magazine Radio into my own. I rebranded it. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that that the shrugged, um, the shrugged series did kind of help me have the confidence to like go out on my own instead of like supporting another company or another group. It was sort of like, all right, it's time for me to kind of talk about what I want to talk about, um, and it's been amazing, you know, since I kind of took ownership of everything. Um, totally. as, as I'm sure you can, you can yeah. test. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just fun to have kind of total control over what you want to do and who you want to talk to, and it's awesome. Totally. So how, how long have you kind of been doing like the writing and the podcasting? How long have you been doing that for? I'd say about maybe a little over a decade. Okay. Um, wow. I, yeah. My, my background, like my education is in marketing and communications and I was doing corporate work um, for like the beginning of my career. Like I got out of university and I was um, working in a corporate uh, environment. Cause you know, that's where you find jobs and that's kind of where the right. money is. Um, but of course in my off time, I was, you know, doing CrossFit, doing powerlifting, learning about food, learning about nutrition. Um, and that was the fun stuff. And so it took me a while to kind of, um, make the leap to, um, freelance work, to contract work, to working for myself, um, and kind of combining the things that I'm good at, which is writing and communicating and interviewing people and, and, um, synthesizing information for kind of a greater group of people and applying that to the um, industry that I liked and that I would, you know, be doing for free anyway, which is learning yeah. about health and fitness. So yep. it was, it was a pretty long road and, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but I'm so glad to be where I am now and do the stuff that I'm doing now. So totally. Yeah. And I think that that's so cool because I love your podcast and I, you've interviewed so many cool people. I mean, you've even just pretty since lucky. you've released it, you've done you know, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, you've done Anna Quebeca, you've done Paul Saladino. I mean, you've done so many really cool things. And it's, it's just really cool because there's so many health and fitness podcasts out there, but I just, I tend to gravitate towards certain ones. And I love like the paleo-ish, carnivore-ish, like nose to tail vibe that you bring in your podcast and how that relates to health and wellness. So let's kind of get into that. Like how, how did, how did you get into that type of lifestyle? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, probably like most people, I ate whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, like you grow up and you eat what your parents give you. And then when you get, you become a teenager, you eat whatever is delicious and cheap and whatever <laughs> you want to eat. Cause you're a teenager yep. and you can do that. Uh, it really wasn't until I graduated university and I started, cause I really didn't become much of an athlete until after university as well. Like I, I did gymnastics and swimming growing up, but I was never really into like team sports. So I didn't really like in school consider myself an athlete so much. I always went to the gym. Like I was, you know, working out in the gym since I was 16. Um, but when I graduated university and I started getting into CrossFit and I realized that you can be sort of like an individual athlete and be athletic and you can compete in these different ways. And I realized I was, I was pretty good at it. So I'm like, okay, I guess I am an athlete. And, and with that comes caring about what you put into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really, I think it was through CrossFit that I kind of discovered paleo, which was back in those days, like when I was first doing CrossFit, it was like 2008, 2009. 
Okay. Um, and paleo was a little bit newer. It was still a little bit of this, like, what is that? The caveman diet kind of fad thing at the time. Um, but when I learned about it and I still feel this way, it just makes so much common sense as a starting point. And a lot of people smarter than me will attest to this as well. Functional medicine physicians and people who, um, really just kind of speak to this approach of eating real food that our body is evolved and meant to digest and use right within that of course it can go much more detailed and much more specific so there are plenty of people who you know really would benefit from eating a ketogenic diet there are plenty of people who would benefit well maybe not plenty but there are some people who would benefit from like a strict carnivore diet yeah there are people who would benefit from a really plant-based um, diet but the concept of this ancestral health nutrition base just always made so much sense to me that when I found it, I was like, this is it. I'm going to mm -hmm. make some changes. I'm going to make some adjustments. I'm going to keep learning. But like this as a baseline, it just makes so much sense. And that's still what I tell clients and friends and family who are asking me where to start, start here. There are yep. so many other places you can go after that, but start there. Um, and so that's what I did. And so I was doing it for myself. And then I was writing for the magazine for like eight or nine years. So I was interviewing like everybody you can imagine in this space learning so much. Um, and of course, with the evolution of that, I'm learning about the sustainability and the ethics and mm -hmm. the, um, you know, nose to tail and carnivore and fasting and all of these things. And I really have started to, for myself personally, take a lot of this learning and just incorporate it as tools, right? Like I don't subscribe to, like, I'm not a carnivore person. I don't, I'm not somebody who fasts or whatever. Like I, I use those as tools. And I think yeah. that it's a good it's a good approach um, because it helps us avoid dogma. It helps us avoid um, feeling guilty when we inevitably slip up and aren't perfect. Um, so I think, you know, just kind of learning, practicing things for yourself and then keeping all of these things just sort of in your back pocket when you need them, keeping that base of just real food. And then you kind of play from there. Totally. It's just, just what works. Totally. It's, it's crazy. I mean, and I can personally attest because this summer I tried, I was like, okay, all summer, I'm not going to buy anything at the grocery store. We got like a quarter cow, we got fish and stuff. And I was nice. like, I'm only going to have produce that's local and I'm still doing it. And I was like, I literally, we have never felt more nourished. I've never eaten more diverse foods. And like, I challenge myself whenever I'm getting cuts of meat, like we're going to do pork belly tonight. Like so freaking nice. good, but like, yeah. I'm always trying to do new things and I've learned a lot from your book and it just, it's just a credit incredible feeling of nourishment that I I've always eaten healthy, but I've never felt like this before. That's amazing. Good for you too. Like Thanks. you're not going to the grocery store. Like imagine no. the time and money and temptation <laughs> that you're, you're, you know, saving yourself. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I know it's, it's been amazing. So I love it. And I love that you say that that's a good place to start because with being now kind of like in this world and in all of the different physicians who maybe are more dogmatic or, you know, there's just so many different opinions out there that I, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I find myself drifting one way or another, but I love the approach you have is like middle of the road. You can use tools either way. You don't become too dogmatic. I love that. Um, you kind of touched on nose to tail and that's kind of something I've been incorporating a little bit more of and, uh, talking a little bit more of, but I really want you to dive into that since that's kind of like the premise of your whole book, which is behind you. It takes guts go get it on Amazon. Um, <laughs> yes. But like talk a little bit about nose to tail and what, what even inspired you to do that in the first place? Cause you said you didn't come from like, what made you want to pick up a liver for the first time and be like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. You know, that's a very good question. Um, yeah. So I guess the, 
eating organ meats wasn't a huge stretch for me. I didn't grow up eating them, but I've always, like when I look back to when I didn't think about what I ate, when I didn't care, I just ate what I wanted to, I did still kind of gravitate towards animal protein always. Um, and I always liked like dark meat and I mm -hmm. liked game meat. And so like at Thanksgiving when everyone was eating like dry turkey breast and pouring gravy over it, I was eating like all the dark grisly bits. And so it really isn't like a stretch when I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, What made me decide to write this book is as I continued to learn about optimal health um, and doing that in a way that supports sort of um, a, a better food industry that supports um, our planet, that saves us money, that um, really helps us be kind of connected and respectful of the food that we're eating. Again, it comes back to nose to tail. It's like, this is the least wasteful um, and most efficient way to get nutrition. Just if you if you take the emotion and you take the ick factor out of it, it these are the facts, right? So yep. liver, and, and I'm pretty sure most people, except for the like staunchest um, plant-based people will tell you that this is, whether you like it or not, <laughs> liver is the, you know, ounce for ounce, the most nutrient dense thing you can eat. Um, totally. And so, so once I kind of got my head around that, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's dive into this. Let's find ways to make this enjoyable. Let's be creative. Let's try new things. I've always had that attitude. I have a feeling you're kind of like that too. Yeah. You know, it's like, why not? You know, it's like that. And this, this is like one of my biggest selling points for this is like, there's no risk to this. You know, right. you try something, you buy a different cut, you, you try a recipe. If you don't like it, you're exactly right where you started. Exactly. If you do like it you get something delicious and it's healthy and it's good for you. Fantastic. Right. Exactly. So, um, and so for a while I was just kind of doing my own thing. I was like making stuff with liver and hearts and stuff like that. And I was posting about it on social media and I'd get a lot of people sending me barf emojis. And then I got, I got some people saying like, Oh, what are you doing there? Like, what's, what are you, what are you making? How do you make this? And as I started to see that there were people who were curious and interested, I'm like, okay, so there's something here. I feel like maybe um, I could explore this further and, and write a book about it and I can learn as I go and I can create this very accessible resource to people. Um, because if you Google sort of like organ meat cookbooks, there's a couple, not many, yeah. uh, there's a couple and, but most of them are like maybe hunters, a couple are um, yep. French, French chefs um, and their books are beautiful and gorgeous, but they're also like make things with kidneys with no explanation because they don't right. need to, they don't need to be convinced, you know? And so what I wanted to do was create like a really educational piece. That's like, here's why we, we should do this. Here is a bit of a background on the history and the cultural significance of these cuts. Here are some like general ways that you can find them and prep them and make them. Here are some recipes that I guarantee a non-chef can make because I am a non-chef. Um, so I really wanted to take like the fear out of it, you know, just mm -hmm. like have fun with it, experiment. There's a couple recipes in here that are pretty adventurous, but there's plenty of recipes that if you were the kind of person who like doesn't tell your dinner guests what's in it, they would love it and not have any idea that they're eating something that's, you know, out of the oh, norm. Totally. And we did that this weekend. We, um, my parents you tricked gotten, your dinner guests. Well, <laughs> kind of. So my, we had gotten a quarter cow from a local place and they just gave us organ meats for free because nobody wants them. Like we got the liver, we got the heart and it was like the full heart. And I had never cooked it, but I was like, okay, I have a book. Let's go buy the book. And I was like, we can't overcook it, which 
overcooked meat is disgusting. Like I want it just warm and then raw. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, that's not going to be hard. But anyways, we cooked it and we cooked it with like a piece of chuck steak. And we're like, okay, if this sucks, we have the steak and we were eating it. And the general consensus was like, I can't even tell this is Oregon meat. Like it yeah. is incredible. So yeah. I was like, when well, my brother comes home, you guys got to make it for him because he won't even know. And I plan to do that. Like last night I was Amazing. making, I made beef heart and bone marrow. And my husband was like, is this steak or is this organs? And I was like, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Technically it's an organ steak, but I mean, listen, you're touching on something interesting here, which is another thing that I, like another conversation starter that I have for a lot of people is this idea, this arbitrary idea around what pieces of animal are acceptable and which ones are extreme. And it's completely learned and it's Mm -hmm. completely um, about what is familiar to us versus unfamiliar. And we tend to have, and this is a normal human um, reaction. So I'm not placing any judgment on this, but human beings tend to have this reaction of unfamiliar is bad. Unfamiliar is scary. and it doesn't and it doesn't have to be that way and really it shouldn't be that way i think we should all be discerning and we should be critical and we should make informed decisions but just because something's unfamiliar does not mean it's bad and yep. oftentimes you're missing out on a lot and that's a much larger kind of analogy to the rest of your life if you consider everything that is unfamiliar or different bad you're really missing out on a lot of things and totally. like with with the heart specifically heart is a muscle. It's an organ, but it's also a muscle. So it's literally the same kind of meat that you'd be getting from a roast or a steak. So it's absolutely arbitrary that we think that cutting this part of the animal off and cooking it is okay, but this part up here is extreme and weird, even though it's more nutrient dense and it's cheaper and it tastes the same. Exactly. It's crazy. I know I've gotten a lot of people were like pretty like how do you do this but like I have gotten some barf emojis and and then I loved that you touched on that in the book because like as I was reading the beginning pages one I was like remembering how nutrient dense things were so I was like no matter what I'm gonna try it but the recipes look amazing so I was like I could do this but then you know you were saying like who who said that this was weird you know like when I get a full chicken I don't just like eat the breast because the legs with the skin are gross or I don't not eat the skin, which that's, if you think about it, that might be weird too. You're eating the skin of an animal, but we don't bat any eye at that. It's It's, so true. It's so crazy. So it's, it's, it's wild, but I love, I love that you touched on the sustainability piece because as I was going through, that's a common thing where it's like, oh, we're, we're cruel and we're killing, you know, animals. And, you know, I understand if people want to be vegan for ethical reasons, but I, I believe that we, we evolved this way. We evolved eating all of the meat. We evolved eating all the organs. So, but I think that doing it in a sustainable way, you know, it's not like, you know, if you go to a local farm and you get the full cow, you get the organs, you get everything with it. You're, it's not flying across the country. You're supporting local people. You're eating all the animals. You can save the bones and make broth doing that right now. And I I love that you touched on that because I feel like that, that piece isn't talked about as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not trying to convince vegans with an organ meat cookbook. I'm not trying to say, (laughs) you know, like, again, it's like life is short. You got to do what you got to do here. But Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, there should be more, more nuanced and again, less emotional conversation around the practicality of the way we eat as well as, it's, it's nourishment, like the, the nutrition value, because, you know, I am not going to judge someone for not eating animal pr- 
products because they don't want to. Just the yep. same way I would expect you not to judge me for never eating broccoli because I think it's gross. <laughs> I think it's gross. I'm not going to eat it. And yeah, exactly. Live and let live. However, you know, a vegan diet is not a death-free diet. Um, animals are dying no matter how we decide to eat. Yep. Um, and I think that instead of trying to pretend that we are not part of the food cycle, we absolutely are. We're not better than any other animal. We're part of the natural cycle of things. We're omnivores. We eat animals. Other animals eat other animals. This is what happens. So instead of trying to pretend that we're different and that we can create some Franken food in a lab that's going to be better for us, if we are going to accept, and the vast majority of us in North America do ex do eat animals, so we accept yeah. this on some level or another, um, instead of trying to turn away from the reality of animals dying for us, if we turn towards this, as uncomfortable as it may be, and really understand it, and really respect it, and really fight to have better, healthier, more humane practices, then we are improving the food cycle. And I've spoken with in the, in the book, there's, I have an interview with a uh, farmer at the end of the book, and she talks about the painstaking process of raising animals well and how much energy and money and time and love goes into it. And they, the animals die at the end. They do just like we do right? Mm -hmm. yep. If they have lived a beautiful, healthy, nourished life, and then they die in a quick and painless and humane way and nourish us, that's a hell of a lot better than most of them are dying in the wild, okay? They're not yeah. dying painless, clean deaths in the woods at the hands of other animals, right? Right, or so, being hit by a car or whatever it is. Whatever. So yeah, so I think that again, and this is something I'm learning too, like I'm getting into hunting, I'm learning about cool. harvesting and, and breaking down animals and things like that. I don't love the idea of going into the woods and killing an animal. I don't love the idea of getting, you know, elbow deep into an animal and cutting it apart, but I'm, I'm open to it and I'm interested in it because it's important. Like eating is the most important thing that keeps us alive. We got to do it. We got to yep. understand it. So I, and you know, people like Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf and their book, Sacred Cow, they really yep. speak to this. It's like turn towards the discomfort and learn so we can make this better because really it's meat eaters who refuse to accept what they're doing that are allowing the factory feedlot inhumane practices to continue because they're like, I don't want to think about it. It's gross. It's bad. And then you mm -hmm. kind of are sort of guilty and you just buy your chicken breasts at the grocery store or the cheapest ones you can find. And again, I'm not trying to judge people. I've done this before too. And that, that system exists, but we need to, we need to put the work in and the mental energy and, and just dive into that discomfort to make this better. Because I think that's a better option than pretending we can all thrive on soybeans because that's not <laughs> reality. No, no. And I, I, I love that because I, I'm a huge animal person. I literally, I love animals. And I, years ago, my mom or my parents were like, you can never hunt. I, I, it would be hard for me, but you know what? It's uncomfortable, but with, with understanding, okay, I'm getting a cow and it's probably a cow that I might be looking at when I go to tell them that I'm ordering and, you know, under like, dealing with these different organ meats or having like full chicken. And I think I've heard you say that too. Like we're so disconnected with like what, where that chicken breast actually came from or where that piece of steak came from. We don't, we're not used to seeing like the heads on fish or, you know, whatever it may be. We're so disconnected because we're so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think you're right. I think as much as I love animals, I want them to be raised in a sustainable way. And that's why I vote with my dollars and I vote low. I, I support local or like I'll do Bel Campo or mm -hmm. White Oak Pastures where it's regenerative farms, you know, I, because I think that that's how we truly do. Like you said, we create that life, that healthy cycle where it's not these mass 
you know, produced farms. And if you can support these places that are doing it the right way, that's how we're going to just continue this whole thing. But, um, I lost my train of thought, but well, like you said, I'll, I'll just add on to that while yeah. you think about your next awesome question. <laughs> um, it's the idea of like the one, the one bad day for these, these, uh, humanely raised animals, right? right. Like I, I get that we all want to think of the world as like a Disney movie where like nothing dies and everybody's happy and everyone's friends with each other. And you know, it, it does suck to think that you have to kill something to nourish yourself. Like that's not a, that's not an awesome feeling, yeah. but it's also the reality. And I think that we, again, in, in this time in, in history, we are so removed from the realities of what 99.9% of humanity has had to face, right? They've had to, their entire lives were about staying warm and fed and protected. And now we're worried about Instagram and whatever, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah. Our priorities I, are so different. Right. So like, you know, if we can just in bits and pieces and slowly and on our own time, just start to become a little bit more familiar and comfortable. Um, and then we can, we can enact this change. And, you know, one thing that you were touching on, which is like, um, using your dollars by like purchasing through these like regenerative uh, farms and like really, really well-raised kind of, um, meat and stuff like that. And a lot of times people will say like, well, that's very expensive. And yes, it is in a lot of cases it is. Um, and I recognize that. And I recognize that not everyone can eat grass finished highest quality meat all the time. And so I'm, I'm also, again, we talked about dogma at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You don't have to eat the most expensive, best meat all the time, every single day. And that's your only option. And if you can't do it, you might as well just eat garbage. You know, there's, there's a vast, you know, range in here and it's about making the best choices you can with what's available to you with your budget. Um, and you know, uh, I think it was Diana Rogers who said, and this is a controversial statement, but at the end of the day, like feedlot beef is better than eating a Twinkie. It's better than beyond meat. You know, it's not, it's not a good system, but the, the nutrition is better for you. Um, and so I, and, and then, so then we go back to the organ meat, um, argument, which is that, it's a lot cheaper, generally, organ meats, and also because it's so nutrient-dense that if you are somebody who is like, look, I eat meat, but I want to eat less of it. I don't want to eat meat every meal, every day. I want to really kind of like, you know, reduce my footprint. There's no better way to do it than eating organ meat because you can eat much less and get the same or better bang for your buck. You can eat yep. a couple ounces of liver a week and you're getting vast amounts. Yeah. So much nutrition. So that's another thing to contemplate too, is if you are actually trying to reduce your meat intake, which I have no problem with, eat the best stuff you have, what you can get the most nutritious stuff you can get. And then you don't have to eat as much of it. I love that. I love that. And I think that's so true. And, um, have you, have you gotten into hunting this season or is it something that I I wanted to touch on kind of the hunting piece? Because I, I think that that's, I know Paul Saladino talks a lot about like the remembering and whether we want to believe it or not, like that's, how we used to be like we would have to kill it with ourselves and gut it ourselves and you know that's a hard and uncomfortable thing for me to realize but it's the truth Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really cool that you're kind of getting into that I feel like there's not a lot of women in that space yeah there's there's fewer that's for sure but I have noticed just doing some research that I think since the pandemic that hunting the interest in hunting has actually gone up significantly across all metrics and actually more significantly amongst women and probably because there were so few women doing it in the first place um, but I think people are just becoming a little bit more um, interested in self-sufficiency and like you know if it's it's kind of silly but not really silly to say like if the world 
goes nuts. Like we want to be able to take care of ourselves. And I think that's a totally fine, legitimate thing to think as long as you don't, you know, take it too far. Um, <laughs> totally. But, but actually, and so I do have um, an interview on my podcast with uh, a woman, her name is Brie Van Scotter, and she oh. is a chef and she's a hunter. Oh, I think and- I left, you had that one already, right? Yes. And okay. she's incredible. She's a great person to follow. And she's, um, I mean, she does amazing recipes, but she's also a good, if you're interested in looking for women hunters, she's a great one. Um, but I did this season, I did my hunter safety course and I did a, um, hunting like a gun safety course, which is probably very different. I'm here up here in Canada right, right. now. And that's the rules and regulations are probably somewhat different, but I mean, I think even in the States, there's probably some, something you got to do to get qualified to go out yeah. and hunt. But, yeah. um, so anyway, so I did those. And so I'm waiting for my, like my little cards in the mail so I can do it. So it's probably going to be next season that I'm actually okay. going to go out and do it. I've got a great community here. Um, my husband and a bunch of people around here who are into hunting. So they'll take us and teach Perfect. us and kind of show us the ropes, which is great. Um, and you know, like I said to you earlier, I'm sort of like equal parts excited to be, be a part of such a incredible, um, unique experience. I'm also totally like apprehensive about it and kind of freaked out. Um, the idea of actually like breaking down the animal is less scary to me. Like I'm not really that worried about blood and guts. Cause yeah. as we'll talk about when I was doing stuff for this book, I got very comfortable handling animal parts. Yes. Um, but you know, you know, the hunting part is scary um, because you want to do it in a responsible way. You don't want to cause harm to anything. You don't want to hurt anything. Um, it's intense. And I know it is. I've talked to a lot of people. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people about their first time hunting or how they feel about hunting. And it's an intense experience. And if you don't go into it with a healthy kind of fear and respect, I think you're probably not doing it right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. So I'm thinking probably like next, maybe next spring or fall, depending on how the seasons shake out here. Yeah. Um, I'll probably get into it. So I'll keep you posted. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. And I, the same thing, I had no idea what type of respect and everything went into it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like it has to be the perfect, there's just so much that goes into it that, you know, as outsiders, we would never know, you know, unless you were actually learning about it. So, mm-hmm. um, very cool. So let's, I want to talk real quick pivot. And I know that you were in the kind of the bodybuilding space for a bit, and I want to kind of talk to you how you transitioned or what that looked like. And then now, I mean, obviously nose to tail, like there's a good amount of animal fat there. Like you've got so many healthy fat, um, inclusions like in your recipes like I love the duck fat cookies mm. all that kind of stuff like whereas I feel with working with a lot of people in the bodybuilding industry it's like you know fats at 40 grams no higher fat is bad we're high carb you know not that high carbs necessarily a bad thing but there's a lot of fat there's a lot of health benefits to healthy fat and so I kind of want to talk about like how you maybe had a mindset pivot or or what how that transition was for you yeah Well, I mean, I still consider myself a bodybuilder. I haven't competed in a few years, but I'm still a meathead. I'm still like in the gym doing bodybuilding workouts. So I'm always going to be about that life. Um, But I think I, again, wasn't super dogmatic about my diet, even when I was competing for a couple of reasons. One, because I had already been in the, the, the nutrition world for a while. So I always looked at nutrition more as nourishment than macros and like what I could get away with and still be healthy. I care about my health. And so I was never kind of about that super, super restrictive kind of outlook. Love Um, that. Yeah. And, but with that said, I mean, I definitely was, I was doing, when I was competing, I was much more traditional bodybuilder in that it was higher carb, lower fat for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I've noticed too, as I've continued in this industry is that 
I know a lot of keto bodybuilders. I know some carnivore bodybuilders. Really? So, yeah. So to wow. me, I think it's, it, it's going to take a bit more work. It's going to take a bit more research, but ultimately when you're trying to get lean, um, and we can talk about the muscle building part separately, but when you're trying to get lean, it really is a matter of calories in calories out. When you're talking about that kind of sustained, like super lean, temporary, not permanent kind of, uh, totally. so really it is about like the, the kind of alchemy of like figuring out your, your energy output and your energy input. And so you can do that with fat. You just are going to have to really play around with other things. Um, and of course the conversation of like building muscle and like your bulking building phase is going to be different than your cutting phase. I don't think I personally would have a really hard time eating super high fat and, and getting really lean. Personally, I find a lot of times men and bigger men have an easier time with that, but it's not impossible. And I don't think that you have to be, you know, 40 carbs, max fat to, to compete in bodybuilding. I think that it just might take um, a little bit more research and understanding. Um, but I think you absolutely can do it. Um, and I think that if we're not talking about competing, we're just talking about being lean and buff and healthy and fit and yeah. having energy to do your hard bodybuilding workouts. Um, it's again, it's a very personalized nutrition thing where you need to understand your baseline. You need to understand when, whether you perform better with carbs or fat, you need to understand which carbs and fat, again, you perform best with and you tolerate the best and you enjoy the most. And then you play around with it from there. So I love fat, but I actually, if I looked at my like macro, you know, pie chart, mm -hmm. I'm actually probably quite, um, equal, equally distributed moderate. Like I've, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty high protein have always been. Mm -hmm. Um, but then as far as the other two um, macronutrients go, it really is like, depends on the day, depends on what I feel like I did the work of like becoming fat adapted and I was keto mm -hmm. for a while and I was this for a while and I was that for a while. So I feel like I can kind of switch back and forth, but I, I did that work. And yep. I know lots of people who just don't tolerate a lot of carbs. So if they were going to do the bodybuilding thing and someone was telling them to eat 250 grams of carbs a day, like they would hate it. And I know people who, if they eat more than 60 grams of fat a day, they feel like garbage. So yeah. you really have to kind of play around with it, but that's just a long-winded way of saying that I think you can, <laughs> you can incorporate some of these healthy, higher fat options and still be like a jacked bodybuilder if you want to. Totally. Totally. And it's crazy. Cause I've even like done in body scans, like track my muscle mass, track my fat percentage and with eating more fat, I've lost body fat percentage gain more muscle mass. So, I mean, maybe that's bio-individual to me. Maybe that's just what I feel better doing, but I think that that's kind of like an interesting thing that kind of goes against like more traditional speaking, but, um, yeah. you should do a competition solely nose to tail. I know. Right. Wouldn't that be good? It's like the only thing that's making me think I want to do another competition. Cause I've had so many people ask me like, Hey, have you ever done like a, you know, hundred percent paleo prep or like a carnivore so prep? Cool. And I'm like, and I, and I've come pretty close because like the last one that I did was, but I mean, you know, it's like people saying like, I'm a hundred percent strict carnivore, except for like the two days a week I eat cake, you know, but <laughs> I know. like, it was kind of like that. Like I was like, yeah. I'm pretty much doing a paleo prep, except I eat oatmeal uh, anyway. <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Um, so it, it is a very interesting proposition. Like I definitely, at this point in my life, I have to have a reason to do it. Like I, I really enjoyed competing. I really enjoyed what I learned. I enjoyed mm -hmm. having abs. I did really well. Like I liked everything about it was positive for me. Um, but it is a ton of work and a fair bit of sacrifice. And totally. I kind of was like, I don't want to do it again, unless I'm learning something. And this mm -hmm. might be, this might be that thing. So maybe you'll convince me. We'll see. Well, you know what? I know that you're up for experiments. 
So that would be kind of cool. Your skin would still be flawless. Like you would be like blowing everybody away because you'd be so nutrient dense comparatively. It's true. You can, and you can tell, I'm sure, you know, like you can tell the people who are, look, we're all, you know, in the fitness world, all of us crazy people who are constantly experimenting and like biohacking or trying new things. You know, there's a line where that goes from being optimizing your health to being like a crazy person. Totally. Um, But you can tell, you can tell the people who are doing it in a way that is in the spirit of learning and it's exciting to them and it's fun. And then the people who are like stressed the hell out, just trying to do some weird stuff to live forever, you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's just like being in the space. I am already thinking of people that are on either side. So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. super funny, but so, okay. I want to talk a little bit about like your favorite recipes. Um, obviously I, with reading the book, I know like which ones were a little bit more adventurous for you, but I definitely want you to share some of that because I want people to go out and buy your freaking book because Thank the you. recipes are so good. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, okay. So if we're talking about the recipe that I make the most, it's gotta be this chicken liver mousse just because it's oh, so I need easy. to make that. It's really good. It's really I only good. have beef liver. There's like chicken liver shortage everywhere. Yeah. Maybe it's because so many people are buying the book and making chicken liver mousse. <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, like, so this is another like practical, um, piece for people who are listening and are actually interested is some tips for like getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're nervous, but you're open to it, um, is to start small with small animals because they're milder tasting. So a chicken liver is going to be a much easier thing to get your head around than a beef or like a bison liver. They're a lot bigger. They're a lot stronger tasting. They're a lot like gamier tasting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've actually never tried like moose with a beef liver, I would imagine it might be a little bit more gaming, a little strong, honestly. Um, Okay. Feel free to try it. But I mean, I have better, I have better liver recipes in the book for, for a beef liver. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I would definitely recommend the, the chicken liver moose because it's something that even like average, like normal people, you get it on a charcuterie plate with some like crunchy, salty crackers or something. It's delicious. It's really, really nutrient dense for the keto paleo people. It's full of butter and like Mm. full fat cream. It's like, it's delicious. That's what drew me to it. I was like, I need that. Yeah. It's really good. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed, um, the, one of my favorites is the stuffed bison heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we said earlier, heart is heart is probably the organ that I recommend the most besides liver because liver is the nutrient powerhouse, but heart is one that is probably the most versatile and easy to enjoy because it is so similar to other cuts of meat that we're used to. It's got a beefy texture. It's not overly strong tasting and it's really no. easy to cook with. So, mm-hmm. you know, once you clean it and, you know, you chop it, whatever, you can put it on a barbecue, you can put it in your cast iron skillet, you can roast it, you can put it in a stir fry, you can marinate it, you can turn it into jerky, you can do whatever you want with mm-hmm. it. Um, but the stuffed heart was really fun because when you buy a a beef or a bison heart. I mean, they're the size of our heads, right? Yeah, they're huge. Two and a half pounds of meat. Um, And you can open that up and you can stuff it full of bacon and onions and mushrooms or whatever delicious thing you want to put in there. And you sear it on your skillet and then you wrap it up with some twine and put it in the oven for 40 minutes. Mm. And you have this really impressive, beautiful roast that would look great on like a Thanksgiving uh, dinner table. And it looks really impressive, but it really didn't take a lot of skill to make. And it's delicious. And again, you're feeding a family for 15 bucks. I mean, you know, when I make it, it's feeding me for days and days. It's pounds of this like super nutrient dense meat for, you know, a couple bucks. Um, so I really like that one. Of course, I've got a bunch of dessert recipes in there. I know those are so good. 
I'm a, I'm a sweet tooth. So I'm like, I, I gotta put some, I gotta put some dessert recipes in there. And there are a couple that are like, you know, Oregon meat adjacent, but most of them are actually like collagen or gelatin um, yep. based desserts, because that's another thing. We go back to this arbitrary what's gross and what isn't collagen is like the, the latest craze or has been for years. And collagen is essentially, you know, processed, um, beef hides yeah. or fish scales. If you're getting Marine collagen, I mean, this is, um, ground up animal that is processed in a way that is flavorless, but you're essentially, when you're making your collagen smoothie, you are like nutrient boosting your blueberry shake with like cowhide. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you break it down, you're like, that's organs, you know, yep. it's just organs that we're used to that have been wrapped up in a pretty bow and they're great for you. And it's so easy. So you can make anything you can, you can literally like my, my dessert chapter, it could have just said, make any dessert you want and add collagen to it. Because it's just, if you're going to make peanut butter cups, if you're going to make pudding, if you're going to make whatever you're going to make, add some collagen to it. And you're adding yeah. nutrient, like nutrients. That's, I'm a huge fan of that as somebody who loves to eat is, yeah eat things that you love, enjoy them, just make them more nutritious because then you're getting the best of both worlds. You're enjoying what you're eating, but you're getting more nutrient density out of it. And you know, that's, I, there's a chapter two that has a bunch of like hide the healthy stuff in food you already like. So there's burgers and meatballs and sausages that you can grind up some organ meats into the regular beef, spice it up. You make what you like, you make a delicious burger and it's super, you know, nutrient dense and you don't even really taste that you added some healthy stuff to it. So Perfect. Exactly. And I think that that's what's so fun about like this whole journey is finding foods that like one, trying these different foods. And I think trying new things is something we all should do. We all should be pushed out of our comfort zone, but then making them good because like you, I love sweets and I love desserty foods, but I make them nutrient dense and better for me, you know, adding pasture raised eggs and collagen and grass fed butter, or like I actually rendered, I don't know if it's rendered the right word. Like I saved the bone marrow fat and I'm going to use that in like a fat bomb slat thing with like almond flour. I don't know. Smart. Mm -hmm. I, well, I rendered it and I was like, I'll just put it in the dog's food. And then I'm like, why would I do that? I'm just going to save this for myself. Yes. So, right. um, it's just, it, it's like you said, it's about enjoying all of these things that we love, but making them just better and more exactly. nutrient dense. And yeah. I love all the food I eat. I'm never like, okay. One time I made like burgers that were like a one-to-one -one ratio of beef liver to thing. And I was like, okay, like that's a lot. <laughs> I definitely pro tip. I recommend you do like a four to one ratio. I saw, I read your um, book after. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Four to one ratio. And the other good thing too, is like, I have lots of tips for people who are like into this, but not that into it. Because again, you don't all have to be like us just going gung ho on it. You can like dip your toe into the water and another thing you can do about that is you want to try the mixed ground beef um, and you want to put a little bit of heart or a little bit of kidney or a little bit of liver in it you don't want to buy liver you don't want to ground it up yourself you're no. like freaked out about the whole thing most butcher shops can do this for you so you can just ask them you can say can you do this like a four to one ratio or a five to one or a three to one whatever mm -hmm. you feel comfortable with and they'll do it and then you just get this ground beef that you're already familiar with you don't have to mess around with it you don't have to think about it at all you just make your burgers and you're good to go. But yeah, one-to-one -one is uh, brave. It's tough. The cheese was not hiding it. <laughs> yeah, only cheese can only go so far, I'm telling you. I mean, it's not bad, but like you said, it's if I were to think of it, it's gamey. And I, my husband strong. thinks that it tastes like meatloaf. And I was like, I don't know, I've never had meatloaf, but I, it's strong, but yes. you, I'm, I'm open to it. And I'm, I think I'm pretty sure I ate a piece of raw liver after I Paul Saladino said he did. And I was like, I'm just going to try it. 
So you don't have to be as extreme as me, like you were saying, but a lot of times the raw organs, and I'm not telling anyone to do this because you have to, you have to be sure about, you know, the safety yeah. and the freshness and all this stuff, but it absolutely can be done. I'm just, you know, you got to yeah. use your own discretion, but totally. a lot of times raw meat is much milder tasting than the cooked meat. And like, if you think about like kidney, for example, is another one that is very strong tasting, but I particularly don't enjoy. I like, I like almost that'd be all organ meats. It's not if you cook it properly, but it's just really? very strong. Like I find liver... I like the taste of liver and I have a hard time with kidney, but really? I know people who don't like liver at all who think kidneys great. So it really is up to your individual tastes. But I just wanted to also add in that there are a lot of organs that we're not talking about. Like we only have so much time. We're focusing on liver and heart because I do think those are kind of like the two big players that are just easy to talk about. Yep. But there's so many others that are mild, that are delicate, that can be hidden even easier, that are, um, you know, fancy things that go on French restaurant, um, you know, appetizers that you would kill to eat. Like they're just like foie gras is another one that's like delicious delicacy that is an organ. Sweetbreads. That's one I've been meaning to try. Soft, creamy delicious um it's a thymus gland like that doesn't sound appetizing that's why they called it sweetbreads but it's delicious and skin like you touched on earlier like i've got some like chicken skin chips in there and i've got like chicharron and like delicious and super super nutrient dense and high fat if you're into that um so you can really kind of go through and explore and experiment and you don't to to get into this you don't have to eat every single part and you don't have to love every single part you just be open to trying it uh, trying it and seeing what you like, um, and just kind of learning more about yourself and about health in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. And I, it's, I love learning along the way. I love experimenting and I love seeing like how it impacts my health, how, how it impacts, you know, my hormonal health, my skin, all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's fun to play around with because, and it just feels right. And, and that's what I just, I really wanted to have you on today because I've seen a difference in us and in people that I've recommended it to, I really want it to stop being such a taboo thing. Like I've had on, I've had patients where I'm like, I really want you to incorporate some liver in the look that they give me. I really like, it, it, we need to stop making it such a taboo thing and more of just like, okay, that's just like another part of an animal that I'm already eating. Um, yeah. and it's providing me with all this stuff. So, um, before I let you go, I want to, I want to ask you what your favorite organ meat is and your least favorite is probably kidney I would assume right mm-hmm. yeah the least favorite I gotta say is kidney I figured out some recipes they're okay and some people like them I find kidney really strong um my favorite honestly I mean I've got so many but one one we didn't talk about at all is tongue tongue oh. is delicious okay that's another tough one that people have a hard time getting their head around because it looks like, like a tongue, a tongue. You order like a lamb tongue, a beef tongue. It looks like a tongue. It's pretty intense. I had to get over it a couple times too. I'm buying these giant tongues and like figuring out how to cook them. But the meat is so delicious. So anybody who's ever had like pulled pork or like brisket or any of those sort of fatty pull apart meat, if you've been to a Mexican restaurant, you've probably seen tongue tacos on mm-hmm. the on the menu. Um, and it's so it's again, a, a fattier cut. Um, so again, keto people going to love it, but it is mild and just absolutely delicious and surprisingly easy to make. Because again, once you kind of get past, you get familiar with the fact that it looks like what it looks like. Um, and you just kind of boil that sucker, peel off the 
outer layer and you chop it up, you pull it apart, you put it in tacos, you put it, you know, in a surf, whatever. It's so delicious. Like gotta be one of the most crowd pleasing ones. Again, if we were doing like a secret, don't tell people taste test. And I was trying to convince people that it's delicious. I would go for tongue hands down. So good. Really? And are there additional nutrients to it? Like how, you know, like how, if you eat the tongue, it's beneficial for or if you eat the heart, it's beneficial for your heart. Same with liver, same with like skin, whatever. What is it? What is the nutrient profile with tongue? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems to be, I mean, there are certain organs that have like really high amounts of specific things that are going to, like you said, there's that sort of ancient wisdom of, you know, this helps that corresponding part in your body. Like for example, brain, which is another Mm -hmm. adventurous one. I've got a recipe in there. It's really, really high in omega-3 fats, which is very, and and cholesterol, which is what your brain is made out of. So Mm -hmm. very good for you. Um, And then heart has a ton of CoQ10, which is an anti-inflammatory antioxidant. Liver has basically every nutrient, like just name a vitamin. There's a ton of it in liver. So perfect B vitamins, A vitamins, everything. Yeah. Um, Tongue and a lot of, and a lot of the, um, if you look at sort of like the basic nutrient profile of a lot of organs, it's sort of the same stuff. It's like muscle meat has a ton of amino acids and vitamins and minerals, and that's why it's healthy and good for you to eat. They're just more concentrated in organs. So I think with tongue and I could be wrong, I'd have to like check my book, but like, I don't think there's anything like particularly unique about tongue. Like you got to eat tongue for any reason other than it's delicious and it's just a nutrient dense cut of meat. Okay, cool. I got to add that one. I've had it before. I've had it, I think out when we were traveling and when it was prepared for me, it's easy, but like you said, like getting back to peeling it, but I'm all about making myself. Yeah. It's a thing, but you, you also feel empowered when you're done. Right. Like when I, like the brain one was a rough and it wasn't even rough. Like I wasn't even like, Oh my God, grossed out. I was just like, how do I cook with this? Like I'm holding a brain in my hands, you know? Um, and like finding them can be tougher. Although tongue's actually pretty easy to find. Um, but when you, have a new cut of meat and you're a little bit unsure and you're a little bit like intimidated and then you make something and it turns out delicious. It's that much better. Like anybody can just go buy a steak and put it on the barbecue. Like if you can make tongue tacos from scratch, that's a pretty impressive feat, right? Like it's pretty yeah, cool. Totally. That's how I felt the first time that I made liver and heart it was like, Whoa, I'm, I was like impressed. I was ready to throw it out. You know, like I, I didn't know I had other food ready. And then I was like, no, you know what? This is freaking amazing. And like, just like, and I've heard you talk about like just the nourishment that you feel like I literally feel like just unbelievably nourished. Yeah. And so like, that's a real thing for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's, I really hope that people got a lot out of this. I hope they are now running to Amazon to get your book and then they can share with both of us what recipes they're trying. Cause I'm like going through and like every night it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Um, where can people find you? And obviously your books on Amazon, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, thank you so much for the time, by the way. It was so awesome just to, to chat in real life with you after being Instagram friends. So I, I appreciate that. Um, the best place, if you want to actually like reach out and ask a question or say hi is Instagram. And my handle there is the muscle maven. I have a website, which is just my name, ashleyvanhouten.com. Um, the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere that you buy books, really it's called, it takes guts. Um, so and 
Yeah. I mean, that was like the first, I had that before I even had like a recipe. I just, I had the title. So I was like, I got an idea here anyway. Um, and also I just wanted to offer for anyone who, um, wants to maybe learn a little bit more, isn't ready to buy the book yet. I've got a free, um, ebook like PDF with a couple of recipes, a little bit more information, happy to send that out. Um, you can just email it takes guts book at gmail.com and I'll send you the, the copy so you can have a look and, um, try some things out for yourself. So cool. I actually did that. I got that too when, with the book. So I just have a plethora of recipes. I'm never going to run ready. out. Yeah, and you know what? I highly recommend it because it's, it's intimidating when you've got just a heart and you're like, how the hell do I do this? <laughs> so you just, you, you put the perfect resource that people like me need. So I appreciate, I appreciate it. Well, I so appreciate your time. And I just, I really loved our conversation today and I'm so thankful for you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Welcome. All right, you guys. Well, if that was not the most knowledge bomb conversation between two people who are love eating nutrient-dense food and love nutrition and health and fitness and muscles, I don't know what was. That was seriously so much fun. I so appreciate her, her time, her knowledge, and her expertise in this area. And if you guys are interested in, in learning more on how you can incorporate these nutrient dense foods in your diet. I really highly recommend getting her book. I've used it so much. I've used it for different bone broths, even though that's something I've been doing for a while. I've made a few of her heart recipes. I actually just picked up some chicken livered and chicken gizzard and I'm going to do, she's got like an almond flour pan seared liver recipe. So I'm going to give that a try tonight. It's just been a really great great thing for me to be able to use as a resource in this journey so that it's a little less intimidating because the recipes are right there. She's done all the hard work. We just have to have to go in and make it. And, um, I highly recommend that you guys pick that up. It's, it's a great resource. Make sure that you check her out on social media, follow her podcast. She's just a great wealth of knowledge. And I'm so glad that we use social media to connect. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed this interview, please let me know. I love hearing your feedback and also don't forget to sign up for my online course. If hormone health and hormone, you know, things are something that you're dealing with. This is definitely a go-to resource. I did all the dirty work. I did all the hard work, all the research, and I've really piled it into a really digestible and easy thing that you can go through so that you can learn more about really what's going on in your body. And this is something that's so missing in the women's health space. So I want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know what you guys think of this. Share it on social media. Leave us a review. Anything that we can do to help continue to just get this word out there about overall health and nutrition is our goal. But thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys on the next episode and lead yourself to better health. Hey.